All right. Go be great. Episode nine presented to you by Hardo Sports. Welcome back, folks. It's Mike again. Um, not that much to talk about today, honestly, but I, I know that I said Friday morning pod was coming out. So, I, you know, like I said in many previous episodes, want to keep a consistent schedule and um, not really that much to talk about. I have a couple of Major League Baseball things, including some Yankee stuff. And, you know, if you're surprised as to why I'm covering the Yankees, just look at the uh, cover art. Obviously, that's the old Yankee Stadium where um, I went to my first baseball game and became in love with the sport and with, with the team. Um, and so I will definitely be covering the Yankees pretty much the entire year. And they'll get at least 10 minutes of my time on every episode going forward. So if you don't want to hear that, um, I've been doing some hyperlinks in the bios. Uh, you could definitely skip through that. Uh, I won't be offended. I won't be offended if you don't listen to it because there's a lot of Yankee stuff. Um, without further ado, I want to start off with um, today's date. Now, um, what a hardo we used to do um, today in sports history and Colin had a book. And I don't know if I'll keep that um, tradition going. With Gobi Great, I know I haven't so far for the first eight episodes, but there's been a lot more to talk about um, on those, especially with uh, the NCAA tournament over the last month. But <clears throat> I'd be remiss if I didn't speak about uh, Jackie Robinson Day, which is today, April 15th. Um, 75 years ago, Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in Major League Baseball when he debuted with the Brooklyn Dodgers. Um, you know, I feel like we don't talk about Jackie Robinson enough. Obviously, uh, today he does get a little bit of, a, of his shine. And um, as he should, you know, he was a, had in his 10-year career in Major League Baseball, which, by the way, did not start until he was uh, 27 years old um, between spending time in the Negro Leagues and also um, a veteran of World War II. So... 10-year career, um, rightfully made the Hall of Fame, um, and then unfortunately passed at a young age due to uh, heart complications. Um, we don't talk about him enough. I, I really don't think at all because, you know, when, when you see videos of Jackie Robinson and, and really any uh, older player from this era of baseball, you know, the 40s and the 50s. Um, I think seeing, and you know, this is just history in general, I think seeing things in black and white kind of make you feel so far removed from, you know, what happens in life and in sports. Because obviously today, technology is a lot better. You know, everything is content driven. So, you know, there's recordings of, of really everything. Um, you know, with the black and white, it makes you feel like this stuff kind of happened so long ago. But uh, Rachel Robinson, Jackie's widow, is still alive today, 99 years old. Um, you know, his children are still alive and, you know, making uh, good moves for social justice in sports. Um, 
So I think to not bring him up would be a sin of me. So I wanted to just talk about him very quickly and, you know, just acknowledge what a great day it is um, for, for not only baseball, because I know that the other sports also um, at least pay attention to, to Jackie Robinson Day. You know, you'll see a bunch of NBA players, a bunch of NFL players tweet about Jackie Robinson today. Um, I'm very sure that he was the first African-American athlete in any major sport um, at this, you know, by this time, 1947. Um, I'm not really sure about basketball. I'm sure that I, I believe it was the NBA was non-segregated and the ABA was or vice versa. Um, but, you know, a lot of these athletes look, you know, to this event and what this uh, man means to history. And it's important to them and you can't you can't blame anybody for that. Um, I thought it was interesting looking around at, you know, some stuff about how Jackie Robinson Day came to be um, because it wasn't like that at first. So 25 years ago, um, which would be 1997, commissioner at the time, Bud Selig, announced that number 42 will be retired. Um, a couple of years later, they announced the first Jackie Robinson Day on April 15th. And I think what probably the coolest part of it all is uh, wearing 42. Everybody wears 42 on Jackie Robinson Day, which is today, April 15th. Um, I, I honestly thought growing up that this was one of the best days of the regular season, you know, outside of opening day. I thought it was a great way to to honor the history of the sport and, um, you know, a trailblazer in the sport and really just in the world in general. Um, and so Ken Griffey Jr. actually was, um, he asked Bud Selig at the time in 2007, if he was allowed to switch his number to 42 on Jackie Robinson Day, um, Bud Selig says yes and um, extends an invite to anyone who would like to wear 42 just on Jackie Robinson Day. Um, and then by 2009, this became um, this became widespread in the MLB. Everybody wearing a jersey from 2009 on. Uh, on April 15th, wears number 42. Um, and like I said, I think this is one of the best traditions baseball has going. Unfortunately, the last few years, this has been on a weekday. So um, not every team has played, which then you have some teams who are wearing 42 the next day or the day before, or one team's wearing 42 because the other team has played on Jackie Robinson Day. But but one team didn't. Um, and so I'm glad that they figured out a way this year, which they got lucky it was on a Friday, um, that every every team plays, all 30, te all 30 teams play. So that's good. And hopefully, you know, 
it'll be easy for them to do it the next two years as it'll be on a Saturday and a Sunday. But hopefully going forward, they can ensure that the schedule uh, has all 30 teams playing. Um, to rightfully honor Jackie Robinson, who broke the color barrier in Major League Baseball in 1947. Um, so I wanted to start off my MLB talk with that. Um, it's very important. And I'll get on to my next topic. Uh, last episode, I told you guys that I was making my first trip to Yankee Stadium of the year for Blue Jays Yankees, Jose uh, Barrios versus Garrett Cole. Um, Yankees lose the game. 6-4 after Vladdy Jr. hits three home runs, two solo home runs and a two-run home run. Um, after he was stepped on, by the way. So Vladdy hits a home run in the first, dead center. Um, he comes, or no, in the bottom of the second, a ground ball in the hole. Bo Bichette makes a sliding play, tries to make the throw to first. It kind of just trickles up the first base line um and vladdy goes to scoop it puts his hand down and gets stepped on i forget who the runner was um it may have been aaron hicks but he gets stepped on and so they have to they pause the game for like five minutes they wrap up his hand um and he goes out the next at bat garrett cole throws a pitch so far inside that if he throws it any more inside it it might hit him um and and I think if Garrett Cole throws the ball there consistently, it's either going to be taken for a ball or swing and miss or broken bat. I'm not really mad about the second home run. I think that's like a one-of-one one home run. Like he may be one of two players who can hit that pitch at all, then let alone out of the park. And the other one being Mike Trout, just for fast hands purposes. Um, so he hits that home run. He has a hard double down the right field line next to that bat off Cole. So off of Cole, two home runs, uh, one double. And he faces Jonathan Loisega in the eighth inning and hits another rocket out of the park. So three home runs for, for Vladdy. And what's so crazy about baseball is that uh, the next game, which was yesterday, the 14th, Vladdy Jr. follows up his three home run game with four extra base hits with four strikeouts and four at-bats, which is known as the Golden Sombrero. Um, I think that's why baseball is the greatest sport. Like You can have such a great, uh, an absolutely historic game. The day before, you can't even touch the ball the next day um and then i think just if you look at other sports especially uh, you know i'm specifically talking about football and, and basketball a lot on my podcast like the three main sports so if you look at the other two big sports in this country a lot of the times your team cannot be good unless the top two players are doing well. I think specifically if you were talking in basketball, um, football, you need 
you know, if your quarterback's not having a good game or, you know, your line's not having a good game, you get messed up. Uh, in baseball, you can win the game with your worst players being the ones who contributed. For example, the last game the Yankees played, we won 3 nothing. Um, our RBI, we had eight hits in the game. Five of them came from the bottom two hitters, Isaiah Kaina, uh, Falefa, and Jose Trevino. And all three runs came from them because Connor Falefa scored twice. And I actually forget who scored the third run. Um, but anyway, like I, what other sport do the you know the bottom two players out of all the ones that you know we have so many guys out there on on our roster, Donaldson, Rizzo, Judge, Stanton, Lemayhu, Glaber, Joey Gallo, all guys that if you told me we won a game three nothing, I would have picked them for the hits in the RBI. But no, we won with Kiner Falefa uh, hitting. Balls that didn't even get out of the infield, basically. And then a bunt single. Two bloop singles by Trevino. Um, And like I said, I just think it's the best game for that reason. Like, sometimes it's not about the guys who are swinging for the fences. You know, in baseball, and you look at the Yankees lineup, pretty much half of the guys I mentioned there are going to strike out a lot and are hitting, you know, I don't want to say they're hitting for they're swinging for home runs because I don't think that's that's it, but they're not taking any two strike approach at all. Like if there's two strikes, they're okay with going down with a strikeout because if they're not swinging the same way, they can't have as hard hit balls, and that's really what uh, every MLB hitter is looking at is the exit velocity on all all hits and outs. Um, so I just, I, I think in that way, baseball has the other two sports beat. You know, there's your occasional like, oh, this guy got hot from the field shooting in basketball. And, you know, he's kind of a reason we won today. I mean, in football, though, I don't, there's no real... You know, there's nothing like that in 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 this way. So, just one way that I I really just find ways to enjoy the game more than I already do. Um, I sat in the bleachers, and I think the bleachers at Yankee Stadium are so great. Besides the fact that literally you're sitting on, um, like steel. Steel, like you're sitting on steel, metal, whatever. Um, metal bleachers, not great. No back to the seat. So the good thing is you do get to stand for a lot of the game, which I personally would rather. Um, but you always find the young, the young kids out there, like my age, 22, you know, between 20 and 25, who are just looking for a beer to have a good time with their friends and stuff. But I was particularly enthused with one group of uh, kids in front of me. Um, George Springer was playing center field for the Blue Jays for the first half of the game. 
and every inning, it almost felt like every pitch, uh, they were not letting him forget to, uh, being a member of the 2017 Astros, which I think we need to remind all 2017 Astros what happened because clearly our commissioner won't uh, never gave them any real punishment. And I feel like the media to this day still doesn't talk about it enough. So I'm glad that those people were reminding George Springer that he is a cheater. Um, It was funny (laughs) as the the drinks kept flowing and the night got a little longer. um, I think it got to like the eighth inning. And they were letting Springer know, know one last time, you're a cheater. And they're going, you're a cheater. And then the one kid, uh, everybody stopped, and he just instead turned it into Derek Jeter, which I thought was really funny. So always makes for a better uh, experience at the ballpark if you're around people who, A, know the game of baseball, and B, can have fun. Um, So shout out to those kids. They made my night that much more enjoyable you know usually i would tell you i had an awful time at a game that yankees lost at, um but i can't say that i went with my brother i really enjoyed it um had a chicken bucket it's not honestly my favorite uh food option at the stadium i'd rather for a labelle sandwich the steak sandwich or a burger or you know now they have Halal guys at the stadium. I can't wait for my first platter mid-Yankee game, um, but not not last night or two nights ago now. Uh, chicken bucket, very, very average. You, you can get that same thing really anywhere and definitely for a lower pl- uh, price than 20 bucks. But it's a big tub of fries with like 10 chicken tenders on top. They give you either honey mustard or barbecue. And it seems to be a, a fan favorite at Yankee Stadium. So me and my brother split that. Uh, that was pretty good. Um, I know I've been talking about things that happened off the field. So I'll go into a few things that happened on the field the last two days or three days. First of all, I called Alec Manoa absolutely uh, giving us the business in game one. Um, and the good thing, though, is that we didn't really let it affect us the rest of the series. Uh, we came back and won the next game and shut them out. You know, tough tough loss on, on Wednesday, but like I said, Vladdy Jr., three home runs, uh, and one of them being on a pitch that n- not many other people hit. Even Vladdy Jr. himself, if you throw that pitch to him 10 times, I don't know if he gets a hit three of time, three more times, but he just he was ready for an inside fastball. It kept coming in, kept coming in, and he was ready for it. Got his barrel to it. You gotta just tip your cap, and Garrett Cole literally did on the third at bat as he was running past him for a double. Um, and then tonight, another gritty win. Severino looked good. Bottom of the lineup produces. Um, so that stuff is good what i gathered from being in the bleachers uh the the approaches still don't look 
too great. I mean, listen, they're never going to look great when you're going to strike out that many times in the first place. Um, you know, we did run into some tough luck Wednesday. I think Donaldson had a 108 mile an hour line out to end the game, which is tough. We also had a couple of 105 mile an hour ground outs from Higgy and IKF, which you got to hope those turn into hits. Joey Gallo, 111 mile an hour fly out to the track. Um, so sometimes you got to get lucky too. I mean, it, I just am a little worried about specifically Donaldson right now. Like he hasn't really, there's been, you know, he's ran into a few, but there's also been some times where he's just nowhere close to the ball. Um, a lot of other people were worried about how he'd fit in with the Yankees roster. I mean, these are just guys playing a game, folks. Like, yes, there were issues between Garrett Cole and Josh Donaldson uh, last year, and Josh Donaldson being one of the guys who was vocal about how he felt about the spider attack issue with, with Garrett Cole. But he went on R2C2, uh, the Ryan Rugo and CC Sabathia pod. Uh, I didn't really listen to much of it, but a lot of the clips that came out of it, um, I think, are very telling in terms of how these guys are wired. Um, obviously, Josh Donaldson had a right to call it how it was, and I'm not knocking him for doing that. You know, as a member of the Twins last year, it was easy to hate on him and and not like him and enjoy when he struck out at Yankee Stadium, which I saw multiple times last year. Um, and now to root for him, you know, it's it's an interesting situation, I guess. I don't not root for any player uh, as a member of the Yankees, but and I've also been trying to learn to be less negative because I've obviously seen a lot of the negativity early about a few of the players. And, you know, tonight, for example, you, you want to shit on IKF, but tonight you can't really say much. I mean, he's three for three. He scores twice. Uh, you know, you want to say stuff about Joey Gallo, but who knows? Maybe there's maybe he does get hot. Maybe he does turn himself into what he was in Texas. Right now, he's been running into some bad luck at the plate. He honestly doesn't look as good in the field as a gold glover should, in my opinion, in left. But he's still not like he's not bad by any means out there. So I'm not going to shit on Donaldson. He hasn't looked good, great at the plate early. Um, I did try to uh, lobby for him not batting leadoff. Um, because I just don't think that someone who's going to strike out that much and also not have the highest average out of the few guys who will strike out that much. Like the new thing in baseball is to put someone who can actually hit some extra base hits leading off. But if you're going to strike out, I don't think there's really much of a purpose for putting you there at one. Uh, I'd much rather watch Rizzo lead off. I think the lineup is a lot better when it is Rizzo, Judge, Stan, one, two, three, and then 
however you want to put it from there i mean i'm 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 a old enough i guess you could say to remember when dj lemayhu used to be the leadoff hitter and i'd honestly be okay with that too if it was dj rizzo judge stan one two three four um but i just don't think donaldson should be there um He did strike out three times in Thursday's game as well, so not great. But like I said, I've been learning to be more positive about every player on the team. It worked. You know, Aaron Hicks had a good game outside of almost, I think he almost robbed the first flatty home run, but it dropped out of his glove. Had a couple of hard hit balls for some singles, so um. Listen, the way the Yankees bench is, there's there's two guys and a backup catcher. So everyone's going to have to contribute. Uh, there's going to be games like tonight where those, those big guys don't get it done. Um, and someone else is going to have to step up and do it. Tonight, it was IKF and, and Jose Trevino. The next time it happens, who knows? Maybe you lose the game. Maybe, you know, another part of tonight's game, which was huge, was Severino. Uh, Severino goes five innings, shutout ball, six strikeouts, uh, got himself out of some trouble in in a few innings. Slider looks good, uh, but it's really been the increased usage of his changeup that seems to be and, and confidence in it, too. Um, that seems to be what has him rolling early in the season. So that's good. The Yankees need Severino if they're going to have any chance to make a run in October. Um, and then uh, another one that I thought was was pretty big about tonight's game. You know, the, everybody in the bullpen did a good job, but... Um, this is a game that the Yankees may have been like in trouble in last year because there were a few times last year where Araldis Chapman came in and just straight up did not have it, couldn't throw the fastball for a strike, was just spinning some sliders over and and hoping that no one was gonna crush them. Um, and that resulted in a few blown saves and losses last year. Um he walked the bases loaded. And Aaron Boone, you know, and maybe we're just giving him credit for doing something that uh, is very common sense. But Chapman, after his three batter minimum, I've, I think walked three straight batters and they just straight up pull him. And what happens? Mike King comes in the game, who's looking amazing so far, by the way, strikes out uh, the nine hitter. Oh, no, strikes out George Springer. So, Big, big at bat right there. Bases loaded in a three-run game. No outs, top nine. You strike out one of the best hitters in the league. And then Bo Bichette comes up, line drive to second base, and we double off the guy at first. Ball game over, Yankees win. The Yankees win. And I want to make that transition because John Sterling has been in the New York media and really, I think with the last one on uh, on Wednesday night's game, kind of became national sports media 
uh, news uh, with a few botched calls um, on some home runs. Now, I go to bat for John Sterling no matter what. Uh, you know, if you're my age, and really, I I don't really know when exactly John Sterling began his career as a broadcaster for the Yankees. But there are kids my age that know one voice of the New York Yankees on the radio, and that's John Sterling. Um, so if you expect me to get on the train and start, you know, poking fun, uh, when you're as good as John Sterling and you're as seasoned as John Sterling, I think you're allowed to, you know, have some mess ups and, and, you know, the eyesight probably isn't there these days. Um, but like I said, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and trash someone who, um, is somewhat responsible for why I want to do what I want to do in life. Um, ah, I, that's really the only way I could put that. I would not be pursuing a career in broadcasting and specifically trying to do baseball play-by-play without him. So I've not enjoyed that he has been in the news in this way. Um, It's tough to see, but I won't even lie to you. I think it's time to start enjoying the last moments of Sterling a little more because, you know, he hasn't announced it, but I wouldn't be surprised if either this year or the next year is is it for John. Um, Now I have no real evidence backing this up, but clearly with a few of these calls, um, like I said, like he, he, his eyesight isn't there. I mean, at this point, he doesn't have to do any, like he's, he's good. He's, he's set. Like he doesn't need to do any more games. He doesn't have to work anymore. You know, I don't know what do you, I don't know if he intends to Vince Scully it, you know, go, go until, until they either remove him or until it's, you know, almost, almost time to go. I, I don't really know. But I will tell you for one, uh, the only reason that I'm nervous about the guy is not for the home run call that he missed, uh, which is this one right here. So that was bottom of the eighth on Wednesday night, 6-4 game. Man on first base, John Carlos Stan pinch hit against Garrett Richards. Uh, I don't know if Stan just got it off the end of the bat or just not off the sweet spot of the barrel or too low of a launch angle. I, I really don't know. He hit it well. Stadium was erupting. 
I can't really get mad at Sterling for that one. Um, but obviously that that video from the Sterling calls account, which matches the radio audio with what's happening on the screen, has 3.7 million views in, in 24 hours. So a lot of people uh, ran with that one. Um, you know, they were talking about him on Carton. Carton and Roberts, uh, WFAN Radio, who has the afternoon drive. They were talking about this one from the day before where Hicks hits one into the first row and Sterling has this one. Swung on, now get the run in. A fly ball to deep right center. Back goes Hernandez and he leaps. And he did not make the catch. That ball is out. How do you like that? There was a leap, but the ball went in the seats. Hicks hits one to the sticks, and the Yankees take a 2 nothing lead. Now, that one is from the WFAN account, and they have, they have, like, a camera on John. So, like, if he has a good reaction, they can put up side-by-side side how he reacted to the to the play. That That one, he does look a little confused. He's, like, looking around, pointing and stuff. Um, but neither of those calls really concern me. It's what happened in the mid, I believe it was the fifth inning on Wednesday. So I'm at the game. So I, I'm not on my phone, really. I'm not catching up on what people are saying. And usually people have stuff to say about John during the game. Like if he has a funny or good call or whatever it is, they go with it. And clearly the the video, the first one that I just played with 3.7 million views will confirm that um but Rizzo and Judge go back to back and John Sterling's call like his his trademark is back to back belly to belly and in the 44 second video of Judge's home run uh, which I'm not going to play he does not mention it at all that's usually the first thing that happens is whatever his home run call is and and that's a back-to-back and a belly-to-belly and nowhere to be found. So I'm a little nervous about John for that reason and that reason only. Um, in, in you know, like I said before, and I was being serious, you have to enjoy John while, while he's still here because you have to figure, like, it's either this year or it's next year. And and even if it's if I'm wrong about the next two years, like, his time is still numbered as the voice of the New York Yankees. So I know that when he's done, um, a little piece of me will be very hurt and very upset. Like I mentioned, he's the only voice that I, you know, John and Susan are the only voices on the radio that I know. Um, so he made a lot of news, unfortunately. Hate to see him doing, you know, being everybody's uh joke or what you know some people thought it was it was funny the the stan one you know obviously there's also the one from last year where stan hits the ball off the monster and it was gone and then what did i do wrong uh now john carlos stands on first base there's also just a few that really stick out in my mind uh there was one i think it was the 
bottom of the eighth to share a couple of years now. This is a couple of years ago. Mark Deshera hits a ball that, you know, he, he starts. John gets it going. Oh, it is high. It is far. It is caught five feet in front of the track. Uh, I like I like that one. I couldn't find the audio for that one. And then there's also another one, which I have to go find because I think it's absolutely hysterical. And I, I need to know if this is just a figment of my imagination or if this one's real. He, there's a Jacoby Ellsbury triple in in Arizona at Chase Field where I listened to this one live. I'm pretty sure it was. It's back at the track and wall. It's off the wall. And, and I just think that one is... Uh, it's it's what makes John uh John at this point. Like he he just is so into it sometimes, you know, he, he might not get everything right, but who does in life? Um he's been very uh inspirational to me, so I will keep going to bat for the man. Um and if you guys want to make jokes about him, you do that. At your uh, at your own discretion, but I will still be defending the man. Um, and as you know, even though the guys at Fan were poking a little bit of fun, they they had his best interests at heart as well. At least on the Hicks one, they're saying you know we have this camera up there and it can provide a lot of good good stuff, and we don't want to make a legend look like this. You know, where he's looking confused and stuff. So um I guess we'll we'll stay up on the Sterling stuff because listen, he had two of those within two days. Like this isn't gonna be the last time we talk about this stuff this year. Um and you know, now I just made the prediction that he's gonna retire either at the end of this year or the next. So um we'll stay up on my boy Sterling. Um I guess that'll do for the Yankees talk. I have only really, I mean, I I just recorded a pod where I talked about a lot of MLB stuff three days ago. So not that much stuff has happened. Um, But two stories that I I caught that I thought were were worth bringing up on the pod. Um, Clayton Kershaw got pulled from a perfect game after seven innings uh, at 80 pitches. Now, he got uh, put on the record saying that he agreed with Dave Roberts, the manager of the Dodgers, pulling him from the game. Now, you've obviously seen with the abbreviated spring training that not many of these pitchers really at all are getting up there in the pitch count. You know, I think uh, Cole came out at like, 90 Sevi tonight came out at like 85 so and those are kind of high for the for the starters right now um you know 80 as well like it's not because they and the innings and the pitch count stuff will limit the innings comparatively to like 10 years ago 
But even from last year, like these guys are not starting off the season going deep um, because they're just not all the way ramped up yet. So he said, you know, I agree with, with Roberts pulling me, but I just think it's BS. Like if you, Clayton Kershaw is one of the best pitchers um, of my entire generation, right? He may pitch. Well, let's just let's just let's estimate for a second, right? Let's just say he pitches five more seasons, which might be might be a little bit too few for Clayton, but let's just say five more years, right? And he makes thirty starts per year, so one hundred fifty more starts. He may never have a perfect game after twenty one outs ever again, ever again, and. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a Dodger fan, so I couldn't tell you off my the top of my head. But I'm very, I'm pretty sure he doesn't have a no hitter or a perfect game. Um, and so that would, you know, how many times has he brought a perfect game into the seventh? Probably not that many times either. So, I think if you have a chance at history and there hasn't been a perfect game in the major leagues since 2012 i think matt kane may have been the last one 27 up 27 down um i think if you have a chance to make that type of history you gotta let him go now jeff passan uh brought up a good point he tweeted out if it's a no hitter i'd pull him now i don't know if i agree with that that much But let's just say that he had um, the same amount of pitches, right? 80 pitches, seven innings, no hits, but he had four walks. Like, I'd I'd pull him. Yeah, I'd pull him. Like I said, not all these guys are getting ramped up yet. Uh, You you know, you obviously want to try to push him. I personally, I would be like, listen, if you want to go, you go out there and go get it like six outs, bro. You go get that. You got that. Go ahead. I would be giving words of encouragement as the manager. I don't know if that was, you know, agreed upon or, you know, 80 pitches, no matter what. I have no idea, but I will tell you that if it was me personally, as the pitcher, I don't care how ramped up I am. I'm going for that thing. Cause you don't get those chances. You don't get those chances in triple A, double A, single A, men's league, 17U, whatever. You don't get those chances. And then to do it at the top level of of the sport anywhere, um, six measly outs away, I just don't understand that. And it's against the Minnesota Twins. Like, listen, the Minnesota Twins are good for their their own standards this year yeah like they have carlos correa they have byron buxton but it's six damn outs six it's despicable to me um uh i just don't understand so they pull him and i think the leadoff batter in the eighth was gary sanchez who reaches base via single off of the um, off of the uh, bullpen guy, so I don't understand it. Um, 
Uh, I clearly understand what they are saying, which is that Clayton Kershaw was not ramped up to go further than 80 pitches. Um, But I just say BS to that because even uh, he's a world-class athlete. He's grooving. He's got 21 up, 21 down. Um, I'm, I'm personally letting him go. Then listen, if, if, if I go up to him in the dugout after seven innings and I say, listen, it's your game until you give up one hit. And he comes back at me and says, listen, like, I'm not feeling like I should go more than 80 pitches. Then I got to respect the man to man and take him out of the game. Right? Like that's, uh, you know, I personally don't know anyone who would take themselves off the mound after a perfect seven innings. But he, I can't speak to what a major league baseball player as accomplished as Clayton Kershaw would do. Does he, maybe he values his health more, but I have a hard time believing that he. Didn't I don't want to say that he didn't say like, oh, I'll go out there like I want to try to finish this. But I have a tough time believing that he just said like, yeah, you can pull me. I'm not feeling more comfortable than 80. Like, I think Dave Roberts was like before the game, like you have 80 pitches or they agreed upon 80 pitches. And when he came out of the game after seven innings, Roberts was like, all right, good job. And I don't know what was said. Clearly, Clayton Kershaw is either doing good PR for the Dodgers and for himself by saying that he was okay with Dave Roberts pulling him, um, or he just cares about his health. Uh, But if it was me, I'm getting out there for the eighth inning. And if I give up a hit, pull me, coach. I'm good. I did, you know, I tried. I I still gave you an amazing start, um, which Clayton Kershaw did, and they won the game. Um, but I'm going for history. I'm sorry. That's just me. Um, another one, which I, you know, I mentioned why I love baseball over some of these sports, um, for, you know, my own reasons. And I think tradition is definitely one of them. A tradition that I think is absolutely hysterical is treatment of rookies in major league baseball. Um, you'll see that the pitchers and specifically the bullpen pitchers, uh, they have like a backpack thing going where they make them like wear a, a very embarrassing backpack and they have to bring it around the entire year. And I, I don't know what they have in those bags, probably stuff, you know, that pitchers would need like towels and, you know, Maybe some seat. I have no idea. Some dip. I, I don't know. But I think that one's a good one. Um, CJ Abrams, uh, rookie for the San Diego Padres. And I don't know why that went off. That's good. Um, CJ Abrams of the San Diego Padres had his first home run uh, this week. Um First career home run in his first at-bat at Petco Park because the Padres opened on the road this year. Um, 
hit it into left field, little oppo job. He rounds the bases. He gets the home. And what happens when he gets in the dugout? No one acknowledges him. They just let him walk in. They give him like 10 seconds of silence before they mob him. Uh, I just love that stuff. Like That makes you feel... I don't want to say it makes you feel like a kid again, but that type of stuff can happen anywhere. So when it's happening on the biggest stage, like, and you see that these athletes are people too, and that they have fun. I love that type of stuff. So when I saw that, I was honestly looking for like some things to talk about today. Cause I knew that there wasn't that much. Um, and I saw this video and I knew I had to bring it up because I just love the tradition um, of interesting treatment of rookies. Uh, not, and it doesn't happen all the time. You know, uh, we haven't had a rookie for the Yankees in a few years. Um, and I forget what they did when Andrew Velasquez hit his home run, I was at the stadium uh, for that game against the twins. And I forget if he, if he did, if they did anything, you know, of that sort. And that's really the only guy I can think of in the last few years since Aaron judge and Tyler Austin. So, Oh, well, no, we had Glaber as well. And I forget if what we did for any of them, honestly. So seeing this was great. Um, another one that I don't even know if I mentioned, which happened before I dropped last episode, uh, Jeremy Pena, who was my AL Rookie of the Year choice, um, hit a home run, his first career home run, at uh, Anaheim, Los Angeles, uh, the Angels' home, while his parents were being uh, interviewed on the Apple TV broadcast, which, I mean, baseball always has, like, one clip of this kind of stuff per season where, like, they're interviewing the parents as, you know, a milestone's coming up or a rookie debut's being made and the kid hits a homer. And it's like the best thing that happens every year. And they got it again early. So that was pretty cool. Um, I just love, I love the, the old traditions that, that always keep on going through the generations in baseball. So with that, we go off the diamond and we move to the hardwood. Um, the only thing that's happened in the NBA since the last pod has been the play-in games. Um, I went three for four picking those games. The only game that I missed was Atlanta and um, Charlotte. So the Hawks blew out the Hornets, but the other three games I got the winner correct. The Nets beat the Cavs, um, the Minnesota Timberwolves beat the Pelicans? No. The Timberwolves beat the Clippers. The Pelicans beat... Why? How am I having a brain fart of who the Pelicans beat? That's so gross. 
But either way, uh, the games tonight are Cleveland and Atlanta in Cleveland and Los Angeles and New Orleans in Los Angeles. Um, I'm going to stick with my pick of the Clippers. I mean, of the Pelicans over the Clippers. Um, and that's solely off of that. I like the members of the Pelicans more than I like the Clippers. I really don't like Paul George. I don't like Kawhi Leonard, even though he's hurt. Um, I do like Doc Rivers a lot. You know, I, growing up, like the the big four in Boston was like the first basketball, professional basketball team or group of players that I started to be a fan of. Um, and Doc Rivers was the coach of that team. So I like Doc a lot. Um, but I, I'm more of a fan of Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum is always a good story. You know, he didn't, didn't get a lot of attention or or chances to win really in Portland. And you could say the same for Lillard, um, but he's still there. Um, so I hope that they can win this game, uh, and get into the playoffs. You know, they'll have to play the Suns, which will be tough, but. Um, but I'm going to flip in the other game to Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta blew out Cleveland by 25 in the last game that these two teams played. And I do like Cleveland. I think they're a good story. You know, I really like Darius Garland. Evan Mobley as well has been a good, uh, you rookie for for Cleveland and has been good, you know, back to the basket on offense. And they have some good pieces, but I think they're just one year away or one more big piece away from really being that type of contender. And on the other side, you know, it'll really just be, I think, a matchup of Garland and Trey Young and whichever can keep the other one at bay. I think that'll go a long way in helping their team win. But I'm going to go with Atlanta and Ice Trey um, to take down the Cavs and end their season. Um, my other notes from the NBA, uh, in terms of all of the first-round matchups, I'm staying with the picks I gave out. On the last episode, um, the Mavericks officially ruled out Luka Doncic for game one. I think I said that I have the Jazz in six. And depending on Luka's um, health, that I would uh, be adjusting that. So I'm going to officially go with Jazz in five there. Um, I really just... Listen, the Mavericks they're built around one player. Like if you take out the number one player on teams in the NBA, uh, it's not good. Uh, if you look at Steph Curry, you take Steph Curry out of the Warriors lineup, the Warriors went eight and 10 this year. Now I don't have the stat on that for all of the other top players in the NBA, but that seemingly to me is a good record when he is out. 
now. They have, you know, the John Morant stuff where the Grizzlies are like 20 and four while uh, Ja is out. But that's like the one outlier, folks. That never happens. Um, also, teams aren't usually that deep because once you start start having to pay players in the NBA, um, in the smaller markets especially, you just have to let them walk. Um, so not saying that the team won't be constructed like that forever, but once they have to pay John Morant some serious money, uh, they could be looking at a bit of a different roster there. Um, so the Mavericks rule out Luka for, for game one. Not great. Um, Steph Curry, you know, when I made my pick of the Warriors, I did not know that Steph had missed uh, the last few games of the regular season with a sprained foot. Um, but Steve Kerr made it sound like Curry practiced uh, before. I must have been today, Thursday. Um, and I think they're, they might be one of the, the series that start on Saturday. So they made it sound like he'll play. You know, they gave the old... Um, uh, we'll see how he reacts overnight, but things are looking good. Yeah, he's playing. I mean, it's Steph Curry for crying out loud. You can't put the Golden State Warriors on the court in the playoffs without Steph Curry and expect to win the game. Um, and especially not against the, the Nuggets, because even though Draymond Green might be the most equipped man in the NBA to defend uh, Nikola Jokic of the Nuggets, I still don't think he's going to have too much of a successful night doing that or a series doing that. Um, but hey, what do I know? Um, and then the last note that I want to do before I do a segment to leave you guys out with, and hopefully going forward there will be enough times that I can bring this segment back. It just so happened that while I was looking through all of the NBA news, I was able to find two of these events that it can work for. And it can work for any sport. So if you have any uh, you know, in you know, input on this one, if I miss if I miss one and I'll get to it in a second after I talk about Ben Simmons, um, if you have one, you can send it in. But I, I'll I'll be catching it for all the sports. So um when I made my pick of the Brooklyn Nets in 7, I did not know that Ben Simmons was planning to make his debut in game 1 of the playoffs. Now to me I'm on Ben Simmons side of all this stuff that has happened in the last year in his career. It does seem like he went through a tough mental time while he was at the end of the road in Philly, you know, in the playoffs last year and then in the offseason. And he got blamed a lot for, you know, things that weren't all his fault. Um, And I just don't, you know, you don't know what happens in a locker room uh, in any sport, you know. Even with all the beat reporters and all this stuff, you know, even with social media, we still find out some stuff about what goes on. But there's so much time in the day where, like, they're doing their own stuff and there's no media around. Like, 
to blame things on one man uh, just seems pretty irresponsible. Now, in terms of what happened on the court, like, yeah, there are some things that happened where just like, holy crap. Like, I mean, I just think about when he caught the ball under the basket and didn't dunk it last year and passed it out. Like, you can tell that there was a confidence problem uh, with him on the basketball court. So, to me, debuting him in the playoffs doesn't make much sense. Now, that would suggest that he really was injured um, at some point during this year, but it still seems fishy. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's a tough... It's a tough situation because I don't think there's any denying that he had some mental health issues over the last season. But at the same time, am I supposed to believe that a man with a back problem all of a sudden is now ready for game one of a series against, you know, this is the best series in the NBA going on this week. Like, this is no joke. Like, yeah, Ben Simmons in when he was very good last year. He's not the best offensive player, but in terms of uh, grabbing rebounds and taking the best player on the other team out of the game, you can rely on him for that. So we'll see. I know that he won't be, you know, relied. He won't be relied on by his teammates to go score the basketball or handle the basketball or anything of the sort. But while he's in there, they're going to put him on Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. Um, We'll see. We'll see if he's ready. Um, I think that's an interesting storyline out of an already interesting series between Kyrie Irving being a former Boston Celtic and the way that his tenure in Boston ended, um, as well as, you know, going back all the way to the Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce trade from Boston to Brooklyn. Um, I kind of started the new look Nets era where, you know, it went at first from Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce to D'Angelo Russell. Um, and now we have the Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving Nets. So in a way, you know, it's a big full circle moment. I'm excited for that series. I think the most out of the the series going on uh, over the next week and a half or so. Um, and so I want to get to my segment. I think this is the first segment I've really done. Um, and I'm going to try to, I was writing up one for, for NFL um, for this episode. And I felt like there was no reason for me to really do it on this one. So I think I'm going to do a uh, a draft of the top 10 players that I would start a franchise with today in the NFL for next episode because I want to start talking about football, obviously, with the draft coming up. Um, and I know that it's probably the sport I've talked about the least over the last couple of episodes. You know, like I mentioned before, I was more into the March Madness stuff or really into the March Madness stuff that I wasn't interested in covering, you know, off-season NFL news or anything like that. Um, 
but that's not to say that I'm not a huge football fan. Like, uh, when it's when it's here, you know, it'll get its time on on the Go Be Great pod. But for right now, I, and at least for this episode, I didn't feel like it fit in. Um, but we'll do that draft as well as a mock draft for the 2022 rookie draft coming up in two weeks over the next few episodes. So stay on the look for that. But without further ado, I want to unveil my first segment, which is called OK Fine. Um, so I don't know if you guys are paying attention to the NBA play-in games. Um, I won't even lie to you. I wasn't that tuned into the NBA playing games. First of all, one set of games was Wednesday night. I was at the Yankee game. Second of all, uh, I always felt like Brooklyn would beat Cleveland. So I didn't watch that game as well as the Yankees were on that night as well at seven o'clock. So, um, you know where my focus is. Like I mentioned before, there is a reason Yankee stadium is the cover art until I come up with my own banner and logo and branding and stuff like that. Um, it's because that is the, that's my spot. Like I'm a Yankee fan. You can expect for me to talk about the Yankees, uh, the rest of the way. Um, so I was not really interested or I don't want to say I wasn't interested cause that wouldn't be the correct word. I was not sweating because I was missing the NBA for a major league baseball game in April. Um, but two very interesting things happened and it ended up coming into fruition on the Gobi Gray Pod in my first um in my first segment. So okay fine. I will be looking into why players got fined and whether I am okay with the amount on the fine and the reasoning behind why they got fined. Um so two players in the NBA in the play in games um one on Tuesday night and one on Wednesday night. Both got fined uh, for different reasons. So Pat Beverly of the Minnesota Timberwolves got fined $30,000 for using some expletive language in his press conference after the game. So they asked him uh, what, he was telling he's a former member of the Clippers, and the Clippers played the Timberwolves for the first playing spot. Uh, the Timberwolves won, and so he's a former member of the Clippers. They asked him what he would be saying or what he said to his former teammates, uh, and he said um, that to take their ass home. Uh, and then in other answers, he said beat their ass. Uh, that he effing told y'all, meaning the media, that they were going to win today. Um, I personally think he deserved the fine. Uh, there was no reason for him to be dropping, you know, F-bombs. And, you know, it's a family pro- program, Pat Bev. Like, there's there's some young people watching that game, looking up to you, like, and now they think, oh, it's cool for me to, you know, tell the reporters ass and F and 
it's really not that cool, Pat. Like, you're going to get packed up in the playoffs. You know, I'm not telling you not to celebrate, of course. First of all, you're on a, you're a member of the Minnesota Timberwolves. The team hasn't been to the playoffs in years. So, yeah, take, and you've been a member of this team now for a few years as well, and you've seen it grown a little bit. So, yeah, enjoy yourself. Get, I think he got up on the table after the game. Go right ahead, bro. I'm not. I'm not here to tell you don't celebrate. You should celebrate accomplishments in life. You should and making the playoffs in the NBA is not that easy. Like and like I've said, the the franchise that they play for is not like a playoff contender every year. They're in a shitty spot. You know, it's tough to recruit to Minnesota where it's cold the whole year, and there's not. You know, it's not like a like playing for Miami or or Atlanta or New York or Los Angeles or any of these big cities or or you know anywhere where it's warm or it's a big city it's pretty easy to recruit Minnesota in the middle of the snow and that's not too easy like you know they have had some good draft luck and some and they've hit on some picks but and they've they, they did get D'Lo Russell to come as well, um, but they deserve to celebrate. They do not deserve to be dropping some some foul language on the media. So I'm okay with the thirty thousand. I think it's a reasonable amount, um, and I agree that he should have been fined because that is not good. If if there was still a hardo of the week. I'm sure Pat Bev would have made his way onto that segment. Um, shout out to my boys, Colin and Ant. Uh, and my, my other fine of the week. So Miles Bridges, which I now have obviously confirmed is a member of the Charlotte Hornets, um, fined $50,000 because he threw his mouthpiece. Now, what happened in this video is... The Hornets get eliminated by the Atlanta Hawks. And in most NBA stadiums, the tunnel, uh, you know, there's an opening for the tunnel, but on both sides, there there's room for seats. And then there's like a, a great or like a little, yeah, it's, I'd say it's a, a great. So, you know, you can't jump down into where the players are walking out of the tunnel, but you can still see through it and and you can obviously hear what the people are saying right there. And I don't know what this guy said to Miles Bridges, and, I, and maybe it was a gesture. I have no idea. Miles Bridges was so angry at this guy from Atlanta that he took out his mouthpiece and violently threw it. I'm talking like Garrett Cole, 99 mile an hour, like FU fastball throw. And unfortunately, he misses target and two seats to his right is a nice young lady, probably age 14 or 15, who gets rocked in the face by someone's mouthpiece. Now, Miles Bridges uh, took accountability for his actions, saying it was inexcusable. And the video obviously came out. And you can clearly see where the lady, uh, the young lady gets hit. He quote tweets said video and asks to find, you know, the, the girl's info so he can get in touch with her 
get her some i don't know if it was going to be tickets to next year or merch or or a meet and greet i have no idea but uh i i believe he did find the girl's contact info which is which is very cool and and i like that um fifty thousand dollars he threw his mouthpiece yeah yeah you know it's funny because like they're they're fine then i think that's this is why it's going to be a good segment they're finding all these players right but all of this stuff isn't getting taken like it's some of this stuff is still going to happen like I'm not saying that someone takes their mouthpiece and throws it every week, but I'd say what there's 80, 81 games in an NBA year and there's 32 teams. So roughly there's, I don't want to do bad math, but there's a lot of games, right? So we'll just say every few weeks, right? Like there is a story where, Something wrong is said by a fan in the NBA game and NBA player has problem with fan. Now I've, you know, I'm sure people have heard the, the rule or the fake rule proposal, but the internet thing to say is like, Oh, people deserve to, you know, the NBA players deserve to fight one fan a year. I'm not opposed to that, but I'm not opposed to mouthpiece throws either. Like, I think that is hysterical. Um, You know, I think finding players for some of this stuff and expecting it to stop is also hysterical. And I hope that's why, okay, fine. um, Take some legs as as the first Gobi great. um, Bit or, or segment going forward so that's all i have for today um i want to thank you guys for tuning in and we'll be back on tuesday morning april 18th uh for go be great episode 10 thank you guys